Hey, Catholic Divas, I'm so excited about this interview today with Beth Bubick. We're going to be talking about delay and pray, and also the concept of eat, fast, and feast, and how that also relates to our Billings ovulation method. So come on into the podcast and join Beth and I on this conversation. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hello, Catholic Divas. I am so happy that you are here today. I have a very special guest, Beth Bubick, and she is with the Delay and Pray podcast. She has a beautiful program that she's going to be sharing about, and she is the Catholic fasting coach. So welcome, Beth. How are you today? Wonderful, Mama Jane. How are you? I'm doing great. So share with us a little bit about how you became a coach, how you became the Catholic fasting coach. Yeah. Okay. Well, I grew up in a Catholic family, the youngest out of eight children. And I had aunts who loved to spiritually fast according to the Medjugorje principles. So the apparitions at Medjugorje, and they actually traveled there and they consumed bread and water on Wednesdays and Fridays. They had all kinds of information about it. And I thought it was phenomenal. And they talked about casting out demons by prayer and fasting, about miracles and breakthroughs. And I thought that was fascinating as a child. So as I grew up, I tried it and I failed. So I set it aside because I really wasn't sure exactly how to do it. The other part of that was I had been really handicapped by a diet mentality. I had four older sisters and mom <laughs> who just naturally dieted. They wanted to look beautiful and thin. And I took that in into my basically unconscious, I would say, and started dieting about fifth grade is how I remember that. So I've always dieted. And then I've always been a pretty good Catholic, more devout after I ventured into the theology of the body in my 30s. That's when I became a very devout Catholic would be like in my 30s and very good friends with my mom and just had a beautiful family. And I have three adult children and a husband of 33 years. My adult children are in their 20s. I have two grandchildren and it's a wonderful journey. So as I was walking around the neighborhood one time, I heard the Life Coach School podcast, which was Brooke Castillo talking about weight loss and the hormone insulin. And I had never, ever thought about hormones or insulin when it came to weight loss. All it was was calories in, calories out, restrict my calories, exercise more. Whatever the fad diet, the craze of the day was, was it fat-free? Is it full fat? Like, what is it? <laughs> Yeah. So that's kind of how I started. And so she, she actually introduced me on a secular level to insulin. Well, so then I saved up my money and I went and became a life coach with her, a secular life coaching school called the life coach school. And that's when I learned that sugar and flour and alcohol, white flour, especially in processed food, when I was consuming them were eliciting a lot of glucose into my bloodstream kind of constantly. And I say kind of, but constantly as I was eating them. And then this powerful 
lovely fat storage hormone called insulin that we all need would come and clean up my blood and basically put it into my cells. And if I wasn't using it directly for energy, then it would store it as fat. Okay. That's a very simplistic explanation, but that's what was going on. And I had no idea that when I was eating all of these things, insulin was in my blood. So I decided that I would try to eliminate the sugar, flour, and the alcohol from my diet totally, because that's the life coach goal. And I failed at that. And I was like, okay. And I managed my mind around it because I learned the thought model. I learned how this whole mindset coaching, which was beautiful about how our thoughts create our feelings, create our actions, and then our thoughts create our results. And I was just really mesmerized by it. At the same time, I wanted to see if the life coach school had any type of Catholic foundation. So funny. I was just led by the Holy Spirit as I was praying through it. And that led me to met my Catholic Matt and Aaron Ingold's program. There I learned about body and soul and there the light bulb went on. Oh, wait a minute. So we have this insulin and, and I was learning about dopamine and I was learning about other things on my own, some hormone things. And now we have this body soul composite that's integrated from head to toe. So what's good for the body is good for the soul. What's good for the soul is good for the body. And I was studying how fasting was so healthy for the body. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. There is a regimen, there's a way. So I put the two together and came up with Delay and Pray, the group coaching experience, and then later the podcast Delay and Pray. So you don't have to eliminate the sugar, flour, and the alcohol forever. You can just delay them until Sundays. And that concept I got from the Eat Fast Feast book by Jay Richards was you have eating days, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You have fasting days, Wednesdays and Fridays. There's those fasting days that my aunts taught me. And then Sundays are feasting. So I put it all together in this program and oh my gosh, it was phenomenal. So that's how I started. It was with this beautiful secular program and this wonderful Catholic program. And then I put them together. Now, if you take that Catholic program, Erin, who wrote the program also is a life coach school graduate. So she pulls in a lot of that life coach school. So you can take a shortcut and just do the Metanoid Catholic one. <laughs> right. She brought all that in. Yeah. One thing I have to share with you, Beth, is when you first started your podcast, I think last year or something. Yeah. One year ago. Yeah. Okay. And, and I started listening. And one of the things that resonated is I have been a devotee to St. Therese of Lisieux for 28, 29 years when, when the first time I met her, read her story of the soul and my 25 year olds named after her. She's my rose. We named her Rose Therese and just a little fun fact, she was due on September 30th and I was joking and saying, well, if Therese will give me a rose on her feast day, and then she was actually born on the 29th of September, which she's the archangel. So I was like, oh, wow. But going back to St. Therese, the thing I love about her is she talks about the elevator her whole process is that she was a, a Carmelite and she had these wonderful forerunners, St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. And she was just like, there's no way I can get up that hill up to the ascent of the mountain. So she realized I just have to take the elevator. And what was the elevator was Jesus coming and helping her. And she explains that she's like a toddler trying to get up to the first step and she can't even get to the first step. She falls off. But Jesus looks at her and comes down the stairs and carries her. And because of that little soul aspect, she talks about little tiny sacrifices. And I just remember in the story where her sister taught her she wanted a glass of water and her sister made her sit on the stool and literally wait for five minutes. And then she gave her the drink. It wasn't that she wasn't going to get a drink of water. 
It was just that she waited that five minutes and she offered that five minutes for holy souls in purgatory or for a specific person. And one of the things that she did, I always remember is when she started to understand this concept of little tiny gifts, I'm going to give these little tiny gifts to the Lord, little sacrifices, is the fact that she would walk down the sidewalk and there would be a beautiful garden and she would choose to look away from the garden as a sacrifice. She wanted to look at the garden because she wanted to look at the beautiful flowers and the beautiful flowers are a good thing understanding and appreciating beauty, that is a good thing. But she chose to deny herself for the love of another. And that is what I hear with your program. When you shared with us in your podcast that your desire, a lot of times people, of course, when they want to start a business, they want to start a business to earn money. But you said you were asked, what would you do with a million dollars? And that didn't resonate with you. But what resonated with you was, how can I help a million Catholics come back to the church? Yeah, that was funny. In the life coach school, it's always a million dollars. Everybody's goal is to make a million dollars. And I thought, well, that'd be fine. That'd be great. I'll take a million dollars. Good Catholics, it's important to have good money. Absolutely. Yes. And then things like this. But what was funny is the Lord just gave me scripture about Abraham. And he said, I will give you clients as many as the stars in the sky. If you follow me, if you surrender to me, I mean, it was really a beautiful thought that just came into my mind from him. So I said right away when it came to me, okay, so my goal is to help a million Catholics come physically back to the church because it was after COVID mm-hmm. through spiritual fasting. And then I remember everyone on the call was like, oh, a million Catholics, that's amazing. And no one was Catholic on the call. I mean, on on my little group and it was amazing. And so thank you for saying that because that's just how I started. And so that's what definitely drives me. What's interesting about my story though, is that once I was putting this together and I was thinking, okay, there's something to this. I know it has something to do with spiritual fasting. How delay and pray actually came about though, is my mom was dying in that nursing home during COVID and I couldn't get to her. And I was only a mile down the road because her nursing home was shut down and locked down. So she was on the second floor. So when my family, we couldn't do anything except for take her out. And we were trying to figure that out because she was pretty in ill health at the time. Do we go to hospice? What do we do? And so that's when I really had such a why that makes me cry, such a motivational goal to get her out of there. And that's when I just delayed sugar and flour and alcohol during the week and only consumed it on Saturday night and Sunday. The Lord, I believe, he led me to all of this information so that I could put it together first for my mom. He wanted to show me. And it's interesting that you talk about St. Therese because it's not only that Jesus is the elevator, but St. Therese, all the angels, the saints, all the saints that came before her, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And we're going to be giants for others and Mm -hmm. we're going to be saints. That is what my goal is. And it's a rough, slow road to get there. But I started delaying praying for my mom and within three weeks we were in. That was our first miracle. And then I was like, okay, the Lord wants us to delay and pray, to stop wars. Think about what's going on today, to get our children back to mass, to help the whole wide world for reparation for sin, for the Blessed Mother, for the Sacred Heart of Jesus, for her Immaculate Heart, for everything. And all of saints and angels are all praying for us. They all want us to do it just to delay. And you're right. It starts with food, but food is very good place. It's, food's a great place to start because unfortunately in today's world, we're filled with gluttony 
it's because that sugar and that flour and that alcohol creates over-desire mm-hmm. because of our neurology and our biology and our theology too, creates over-desire, which creates over-hunger, which creates overeating. And then all of a sudden you're in this cycle, the mm-hmm. over-desire, the over-hunger, the overeating, and you go around in circles. That's kind of what I call a vice cycle. And that creates gluttony because gluttony is just overconsumption. And then it also creates sloth because those go together. Yeah. And sloth is just laziness. And why that is, it's hormonal. This is why it's so beautiful to talk to you because when all of that insulin is coursing through your bloodstream to help you get that sugar out, mm-hmm. then what happens is the leptin, the hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin. So the leptin is blocked in your brain right. and that's the hormone that should tell you you're full and then let's go move. Let's take a walk. Let's do something. Instead, right. it's blocked in your brain. So then you don't feel full, you keep eating and then you don't feel like moving. So you go to the couch or you sit right. down scroll on your phone, mm-hmm. double duty. Like it's double just a, consequence. Thank you. That's yeah. Double consequence is what I was looking for. Okay. So then that's bad. And then ghrelin, which is supposed to tell you you're hungry when insulin goes up, ghrelin goes up and you just stay hungry. And you're wondering, I ate all that. I ate that whole bowl of pasta. I overrated. I ate some bread. I ate this insulin <laughs> right through your bloodstream. And so those two hormones doing their job, it's just that insulin, they're disordering those two hormones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what's so funny is if you start to order your eating, mm-hmm. if you start to delay the sugar burning and start to eat whole foods, and mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to talk about it with our cycles because it's really important. If you start to reach for the whole foods and those alternative choices, just Monday through Saturday afternoon, if you can start to do that, what's happening is all your hormones will come into balance and Mm. then you won't be as hungry. You'll feel full. You'll want to exercise, believe it or not. You'll want to go play pickleball. You'll want to go play golf. You'll want to go do things, Mm -hmm. Um, alternate sources of dopamine. Okay. You want to go out there. And then what'll happen is your gluttony, the opposite of gluttony is temperance. Temperance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you'll feel it. Mm -hmm. You're like, really don't, I really shouldn't be overeating that. I don't Mm -hmm. want to. So you won't Mm -hmm. overeat it. And then diligence is the opposite of sloth. And that means you'll discipline yourself and have diligence about what you really know you need to do and want to do. And it's interesting. And that's the body and soul working together with your hormones. That's the theology, the biology and the neurology all together. You can't really separate them ever. Wow. That is so beautiful. I love it. I really, really love it. So one of the things I also wanted to share with you, and and you and I've talked about this privately, is for me personally, one of the things I'm attracted to your program is this whole delay and pray. And also you use the concept, eat, fast and feast. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I'm a very visual person and I remember where I was. I'm kind of a kinesthetic person. I remember I was driving home. I could tell you exactly where I was on my street when I was yeah. listening to your podcast about that, because for me as a Billings ovulation method instructor, it clicked to me on understanding the rules of Billings. And I love Billings as a method. There's numerous methods of natural family planning, fertility awareness, depending on how you want to say it. There's Marquette, there's Creighton, there's Juness, there's couple to couple leaks, Symptothermo. But the thing I love about Billings is that it's number one, very simple. Many people that I introduce Billings with take the simplicity as not deep enough. And it's so, so deep. And because it's so simple, there's only four rules for a couple to choose if they desire to try to achieve or avoid pregnancy, right? The so it's first... interesting, Mama Jane. So yeah. I did Nepro. Yeah. 
And I did not have mindset coaching. I did not. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Creighton. Yeah. And I did not have mindset coaching and I put my girls through that. And what was interesting at the time, when I think back, I was like, this is so difficult. This is so challenging. My doctor wanted to just put me on the pill. I was perimenopausal and I knew in my soul that I just not going on that, not for health, not for soul. Like it was like, I know. And then I had a friend and she said, Hey, when, why don't you try this so we can find the problem? And I was like, okay. So it was funny. I was thinking, okay, great. I have to, first of all, I have to pay for this. Back in the day, it was like $65 a session. I think like that was a lot of money, but I was like, okay, I got to pay for this. And this is hard. And I remember her saying one time, Beth, women in Africa learn this. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I can learn this. But it was like this mindset this pill is so easy. It's the same thing with everything, like any pharmacy, any pharmaceutical, and I'm not denying that people need medication, but a lot of times we will take a pill for something instead of changing our eating habits, our lifestyle. That's right. The sacramental portion of this, which is huge, the sacraments and getting grace from Jesus to even find your way. So this is what I want to get out to people is it sounds more challenging on the onset, but it's worth every moment every moment of the challenge of the delay of this yeah. pill, this instant gratification. And if I can add, the reason is, and going back to our metanoia Catholic training is our own free will. So many of us have abdicated our own free will to other people or other things and have them tell us what to do or how to do it. Or like you said, it's easier to take this pill rather than change my eating habits or exercise or whatever the thing is. Just give me this easy thing. Therefore, I don't have to practice my own free will and make a choice. And I think that is the gift that Catholic coaching gives us is that with each client, because of the mindset, we are understanding you have a choice. And our Lord is always saying this in Deuteronomy with Moses. I I give you this choice, choose life or choose death. Do you want to follow me or do you not want to follow me? You can have this choice. I'm inviting you to follow me. I'm inviting you to have a relationship with me, or you can choose not to. I did a podcast for All Souls Day, and I talked about reminding everyone that God does not send anyone to hell. We choose to go to hell because we choose not to follow God or not to love God or not to follow his ways. We reject him in our choice. And that is a very hard thing. People do not want to hear that it's my choice. I'm culpable. I'm responsible. I, I love that. And I have an analogy for that in my program and I call it the boat and we're the boat and we're the baptized Christian or Catholic and the Lord is grace. And you get the grace from sacraments and prayer, but a lot of sacramental work, confession, adoration, and mass, of course, the Eucharist. And then you got to hoist your sails. If you're going to move anywhere, are you feeling stuck? It's because you're not hoisting your own sails and it's hard work. Go on YouTube and search for a sailing race in Lake Michigan or on the coast. And you will see there's a group of men or women Mm -hmm. who are working really hard together to hoist those sails to make sure that ship is going in the right direction. There's somebody at the wheel. There's somebody driving the boat. So you have to use your free will to drive the boat, to hoist those sails so that the Lord in his gracious goodness can blow your sails in the right direction. He needs your help. Mm-hmm. And you I know love that. what one of the things that is coming up for me, Beth, is your logo. You have that beautiful blue butterfly, right? I've heard scientists say that when you see a cocoon and you're seeing the butterfly trying to struggle, if you go over there and help them by opening it up a little bit, their wings are deformed. 
because it's in the struggle of getting out of that cocoon that creates those beautiful wings and makes them stronger. So that's that free will, which is, again, one of the reasons why I love natural family planning, because instead of just taking a pill or getting our tubes tied or putting on a condom or whatever the contraceptive mentality is, is that literally you and your spouse needs to look at each other and say, are we open to life at this moment? Are we in agreement? And if we are, then let's go celebrate and come together. And if we're not, then let's not come together and let's do something else in our relationship. But it's that free will and it's that communion of goal setting. And and I'm paraphrasing it, Matt Ingold mentions, true love is being on the same page with the goal, uniting in the goal, because you're not fighting against each other. And how oh my many- goodness. So I'm totally putting this together. This eat fast, feast cycle, I can see that. So oh it, my it, goodness, I love it. it. It works with everything. So you have your normal days. Maybe we'll call them like as usual. Those are your eat days. And That's we right. do have a food plan and we want to go as whole food as possible. But if you cheat a little bit, you're okay. Yep. So if I want a glass of wine, I always schedule like in the summers, I schedule Thursday night to have a glass of wine or two. Right. And because I don't drink absolutely not Wednesdays and Fridays. Those are my Mm -hmm. fasting days. And then Saturday nights I can choose and Thursday nights I can choose. So you can choose. And that is really not going to affect my metabolic flexibility. It may be a little different with billings, but you still have, there are absolute fasting days for me. Yes. And Those are the days that the blessed mother has asked me to fast for Jesus and all his intentions, all her intentions and all the intentions that I have. Mm -hmm. And Fridays for me are for priests. And let me Mm -hmm. tell you, when I first started, I literally had to jump up and down, not having a pizza and beer or Mm. pizza and wine on Friday night, which I usually do, because my brain was like, no, no, this is what we do on Friday Mm -hmm. nights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm no alcoholic, believe me. It's just my usual pattern was a couple drinks happy hour, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the intention was for priests. So then the demons would come and just nudge my thoughts a little bit. Like, no, you have to have this. Don't worry about them. They're fine. Guess what? The nuns will fast for them. You don't need to. Literally, I would have these thoughts. Other people, uh-huh. older women, yes. they're fasting for them. And, and I would be like, no, wait, no, I'm fasting for them. And so it was really hard to begin. Now it's not. So it's true. So you have these kind of absolute days. You don't want to bring the child in and then you have feasting. So tell me all about that. I love it. So Billings only has four rules to follow and you're going to follow them throughout from the time you start having your period until menopause. The first one is we don't have intercourse during menstruation. The reason is that many times a woman's cycle will go straight from menstruation into her fertile cycle. And with Billings, we have the sensation at the vulva. That is our primary observation. That's the difference between Billings and Creighton. I can teach a blind woman. A blind woman will never see blood. She will never see her cervical mucus. She feels it at the vulva. And so it's very connected to the body. That's the other thing I love about Billings is that I'm forcing women to connect with their bodies, which they're so disconnected. It's not taking a temperature. It's not peeing in a cup. It's what is the sensation at my vulva? So the first rule is we don't have relations during heavy bleeding during menstruation because sometimes that blood feels slippery or feels extra wet. And so it's like, is it just the heavy blood or is it transitioning into a possible fertile days soon after it? That's the first rule. So the second rule, which I find is fascinating, especially for my perimenopause women, the second phase of our cycle is basic infertile pattern is what we call it. The cervix is closed with this thick mucus plug. The hormones are low. There's no ovarian activity. 
progesterone and estrogen are low. And so during that basic infertile pattern, we can have intercourse on the evening, alternate evenings during BIP. And the reason why we do evening is we've made our observations all throughout the day. We're like, yep, I'm in my basic infertile pattern. So we have relations in the evening and then we wait a whole nother day so that this kind of gets gross guys, but discharge the semen Mm -hmm. seminal fluid. And then we have a whole nother day to observe, make sure we're still in our basic infertile pattern. So it's alternate evening. So that's kind of the eat part I think of is the Mm -hmm. eat part. It's that's Um, the usual routine. Yeah. The usual routine. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then something changes. And when that's that change starts to occur, that's when we're in the fertile phase, which is the changing, developing pattern, ending in slippery with an abrupt change, which is identified by peak. So during that phase, depending on whether a couple wants to achieve or postpone a pregnancy, we still have them wait. And this is the fasting part. They delay during the developing aspect of it until we identify slippery. If we want to achieve pregnancy, we want to have relations during that slippery phase because that means that pregnancy is going to occur. I always say scientifically, we just want to fill the fallopian tubes with as much sperm as possible so that when that egg ovulates, she'll find her soulmate. If we don't, then we're going to wait again, continue waiting the last day of slippery, which this is the only part of Billings that we look back on is the next day is an abrupt change. There's this immediate dryness, like it was slippery and now I'm not. So that last day is considered peak. Typically ovulation occurs on peak, but it could occur the day after or the second day after. So we wait three days after peak that's still in that fertile phase. Still fasting. Still fasting. And on the Mm -hmm. morning of the fourth day, then the rule is we can have relations any day, any time until the end of the cycle. So that's our feasting. When I'm training couples, I tell them that is your honeymoon phase. Every Mm -hmm. single month you get to celebrate with a honeymoon phase. We put I on the chart for an indication of intercourse. And I'm like, you need to have all, I mean, of course, life and everything life and everything, but it's really important to your marriage. It's not only yes. important to the man. It's really important. The intimacy between you is seriously a feast. It's exactly. It's really interesting, Jane, because actually in my program too, we have to redefine eat fast feast. We redefine feast. We This is defining this celebration, this honeymoon phase every single month. How beautiful yes. is that? In other words, sex with your husband is not always the same. It can be the same. This kind of makes it exciting. And then that fasting period can be filled with a ton of prayer. Yes. Since prayer, I mean, denying yourself, delaying. Oh my goodness. I love the parallels here. Well, and the other aspect is what I always share with couples is that during your fasting phase, this is an opportunity to, to develop another aspect of your relationship. And because a woman, literally her whole body is in the creative phase, like her body is getting ready for her ovulation, which is co-creation. So I'm encouraging them, go co-create together in a different way. Go repaint the, the bathroom or go figure out your budget for your summer trip to Italy or go serve and help with the parish and teaching or co-create new disciples. So how are you co-creating? When I'm working with infertile couples, they're just so focused on, I want a baby, I want a baby. That's one of my questions that I ask them to go journal on is how else can you co-create? 
If you write a song or exercise, that's where understanding your unique temperaments and also Mm -hmm. understanding the unique gifts that you've been given, those Catholic charisms and the other talents that you've been given. Like I love the glory stories that we talk about, like writing out, when were you in flow? Well, during creation time is when you should be in flow and you have the most energy energetically. And I used to teach a class for moms and and daughters, high school students, or young girls that were about to get their period, like pre-puberty and post-puberty. And we would tell them like, during your fertile phase, this is when you like rock it. You have the most energy, you will do the fastest on your run, you will ace your test, you are glowing, excuse the French, but you are a badass during your fertile phase. We just don't know how to harness it. Okay, so let's parallel that with fat burning when you're fasting, because we're also introducing intermittent fasting in this. It could be 12 hours not Mm -hmm. eating, 12 hours Mm -hmm. eating, right? Mm -hmm. But when you actually can graduate over an entire year to get to something like a 16-8 or a 24, fasting for 20 hours, eating within four, Mm -hmm. it's not restricting calories. So hard to understand, but it's not restricting calories. It's it's just eating in a four-hour window and getting into ketosis. And actually your body is going into your fat stores and you're burning ketones. Mm -hmm. You feel so energetic. I've always played pickleball. I exercise on Wednesdays and Fridays. I do go to adoration. I do go to mass. Absolutely. But we also do a lot of other things on Wednesdays and Fridays. Number one, to detour ourselves from eating and drinking. And number two, just to have a great time because I have so much more energy. See? So it is, it's really a huge parallel here. I'm telling you, that's why when I heard your podcast, I was like, oh my goodness, we have to collaborate. We have to get together because there's just so much of this. And the other aspect, just like in my own story, we were infertile for seven years. And during the lowest point of of this journey, I had heard Kimberly Hahn, this is how long ago, it was on a cassette tape. She gave a talk that she was one of four siblings and all four of the siblings and their spouses were virgins when they got married. And at that time, half of their pregnancies ended in miscarriage of all four of them. Like I said, this was almost 30 years ago. And this is a really hard statement, but this is what I got from her was, why are Christians having miscarriage? There is a correlation between miscarriage and abortions in reparation. And that's a really hard thing to say. And I don't even know how to say it right. I don't think I'm saying it right. And if she listened to this podcast, she'd say, no, that's not what I meant, but that's what I got from it. And so I really kind of was like, how can I use this time of infertility as a sacrifice Specifically, you're offering it to Jesus at the foot of the cross for abortion because you cannot have a child and other people are going for abortions. The pain that's involved in both ends, it's so hard on yes. both that it, it's, it is symbiotic and it's really actually quite beautiful, to be honest with you. It's not anything you want. It's no. nothing you want. Of course. And so what I did, this sounds really crazy, but I guess it was from the Lord because I was really becoming devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus and really practicing first Fridays and just meditating on the most precious blood. So literally when I would get my period and I would be very sad because I didn't get pregnant that cycle, I would offer my blood with the blood of Jesus. And I know that sounds really gross because people are like, Ooh. but it was well, worldly, very worldly. It's gross, but it's, yeah, it's worldly. It's gross, any... but spiritually, like it drew me so close to the Lord. Yes. It, and yes, that redemptive suffering. It's like our secret sauce as a Catholic. Oh, it's so beautiful. 
you're talking about infertility or at this time spacing children or just people who are having a maybe a financial problem and they want to space their children for whatever reason, either way. And when we're talking about weight loss struggles, because most of my clients have weight loss struggles. A lot of them have diabetes and want to get off the medication. And so what's interesting is day one, we don't have to wait to lose the 10 to 100 pounds. Day one, we offer that weight struggle to the Lord in our redemptive suffering. And it's such a gift because you're literally giving it back this delay of food, whether it's an hour, two, four, 12, whatever it is, you're offering it to Jesus in union with his suffering on the cross. And he understands And he's like, I know I've been there and I'm in your weight loss struggles. I'm in your struggles with you. And then you give it to him for reparation for the world or to get your kids back to mass for financial breakthroughs, for whatever miracle and why that makes you cry that you are praying for. And he will hasten that and he will give you your miracle. It'll be whatever he wants it to be, but they always come. Yeah, I definitely can concur about that one. That Um, is just beautiful. I I love that. So we got the Eat Fast Feast. So now I want to ask you a question that, that a lot of people do ask me, a lot of my clients. I know that when you have an influx of estrogen, when it's high, it means you're going to be less hungry and the body kind of likes to fast. And then if you have a lot of progesterone, you're more hungry and you like to feast, such as after ovulation. Can you take me through the cycle? I mean, do you know anything about, because this is very interesting to me. And then I would love to go a little bit into perimenopause and menopause and then Mm -hmm. how this works with the cycle. Yeah. The beautiful thing about Billings is that when they started 70 years ago, they did over 850,000 essays of women. And the way they started was they would have women, every single time they went to the bathroom, they would urinate in this one jar and then they would bring the whole 24 hours worth of urine to them. And then they would test the hormones. And then they would correlate what was going on with what the woman was observing at the vulva. And that's why this is really the only thing you have to do because it verifies what's going on with the hormones. So the two primary hormones for fertility is estrogen and progesterone. So let's think about it. Menstruation is the shedding of the blood. I tell people to go to confession during menstruation because you're literally shedding. Let's shed from those sins. And because you're more sensitive, typically we reflect things on what was the past, right? The cervix is open. The blood is coming out because we did not conceive a child. So all that uterine lining is coming out. During menstruation, the estrogen and progesterone are both low. We go into the basic infertile pattern. This is God's contraception. It's a thick mucus plug. The cervix is closed. The sperm cannot get in there. The estrogen and progesterone are still low. They're still inactive. Then something happens and the estrogen starts to rise. It wakes up the follicles in the ovaries. A number of follicles develop and so it slowly progresses. So you start to feel this moist, which is the mucus plugs starting to disintegrate. The reason why we call it peak is because estrogen peaks to its highest and then it starts to drop. When that estrogen peaks, so that is when we're less hungry and we're more likely to fast. That's That's right. So when we're about to ovulate, our estrogen is the highest, and then we have this abrupt change. So the estrogen drops a little bit and then progesterone and estrogen rise and progesterone has to rise above it to keep the luteal phase. And so then that's the endometrium lining is starting to develop. Mm-hmm. Because we are in this, what I call it the wonder phase, the luteal phase, that honeymoon phase is the wonder phase. Did we create a baby or did we not create a baby? If we tried to create a baby, all of a sudden the progesterone drops and that's when we know we're going to start our menstruation. 
-hmm. If our progesterone is longer, then we know we're pregnant. So then that makes sense. After the ovulation, and now we can celebrate with the honeymoon phase, basically, whether, yay, we have a child or, or, you know, we came through and we have a child, if you're spacing, that's when you're hungry and you want to feast. And that we sit down as a feast day. Because the progesterone is higher. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard also, like I said, I I don't really focus on the hormone aspect. I really focus on the spiritual aspect, but menstruation is also that time because you're shedding. One of the things I tell people is the reason why we literally have cramps is like, if I did a bunch of bicep curls, if I did a hundred of them, my arm would ache. That is kind of what our uterus is doing. It's working itself to shed all that blood. It's cleaning itself out. So cramps during our period are actually a good thing. Now, If they're debilitating and they have you curled up in a fetal position, you can't go to work. Well, then that is something is a pathological and that that does need to. But but again, the cramps can also be an offering. Okay. So I want to tell you, I am going to look into this. In fact, I, I just ordered a book, but if we're fasting during that time, What's interesting about the ketones being anti-inflammatory chemicals that are super healthy for you, it's a renewal process as well. (laughs) If you can reduce your insulin enough to produce the ketones and you're fasting, you may feel a little bit better. And what happens is not only do you get like a cellular reboot, depending on your intermittent fasting time, but your mitochondria are rebooting. You can balance your gut biome, restoring your intestinal permeability. I mean, the regeneration here is pretty interesting. And the thing about going through Mennonite Catholic that you and I discovered is what's good for the body is good for the soul. What's good for the soul is good for the body. And they're not disconnected. You said that women are disconnected from their body because they would just rather take a pill <laughs> and then not know what's going on. It's the same thing with weight loss. I'll just cut my calories. I'll just stop eating today, Mama Jane. Right. Never works. Right. I'll take, I will go down to like 500 calories today, right? That's Mm -hmm. never going to work for you unless you're doing it in a really solid intermittent fasting plan where you're used to intermittent fasting and spiritual fasting, and you're going down to that restricted calorie in order to renew your body because Mm -hmm. autophagy and fat burning and actually a reset sometimes of your immune system, right. sick or something, it can be, mm-hmm. can be really good for you. But that's with a doctor and that's with a program like mine where you're getting all the specifics in order to do that. But mm-hmm. the total restriction, that's not right. That is like taking a pill. Like I'm just going to take mm-hmm. a pill because mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with the other. I don't want to try. So interesting. It's one of the reasons, Beth, that I felt so compelled to put Catholic mindset coaching in with Billings Instruction. So for my program, it's typically a three-month program. And one week we'll talk about her chart, making sure she's observing the observations and charting correctly and using the rules appropriately, depending on what her state in life is. Because I also get a lot of young college students or just young women that are not married and just want their health. And then the second week, I actually do the mindset coaching because there's so much mind drama, mind drama about our body our body image, what we're capable of doing, what we're not capable of doing, how we can listen to our body. When I teach women about this observation, a lot of times it clicks to them like, oh, that's what I was feeling. Nobody told them. Nobody tells them. Let's say you don't know any of this and you go like me, like when I was in my twenties, cause I did not do NFP until I was in my forties. And I would go into my OBGYN and she'd say, how's your discharge? And I'd be like, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I didn't know because it, it was changing and I thought changing was bad. Yes. I, I, every single person I talk to who goes into NFP later in their years is like, oh my gosh, why did I not know this sooner? And even the food, like when we're talking about, okay, so you're hungrier when you have more progesterone after ovulation. So what does that mean? Because your body really is kind of wanting glucose. It wants energy, right? Yeah. So it is, we could be, have... because it could be creating a new life. Exactly. But we don't have to reach for the Coke and the Snickers. We can reach for healthy fats and proteins. We can yes. reach potatoes and squash and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and all of those wow. good things. One of my new yes. things is Brazil nuts, which I used to pick out all the time. But they're phenomenal for yes, you. Selenium. I, yes, selenium. And vitamin C is really important. And then yes. when estrogen and we're less hungry and we want to fast, that's when, again, those nuts, those almonds, those pumpkin seeds, those legumes, the strawberries, the blueberries, eating really whole foods will help us. And and then of course we can have the snicker bar on a Sunday or winter feasting, right. but we don't have to reach for that stuff every time we're hungry when our progesterone is high. And what begins to happen is that you're tasting the whole food. You're tasting the healthy food, the healthy carbs, the healthy fruits and vegetables and protein that when you do get that, I've feasted on a pumpkin uh, chai latte from Starbucks on Sunday. And because I don't eat sugar and it was just so much, I literally threw three fourths of it out. I think I had maybe five sips. And I asked myself, why am I choosing to drink this whole thing when I'm full, number one? And number two, I really don't like the taste of sugar. It tasted great for the first taste, but I don't have to. And so as I was walking to the garbage, I said, I'm giving myself permission to throw this whole thing away. Then when I got in the car, I was like, you know what? I bet I could make this at home in a healthier way using monk fruit. Using See the grace, the grace is flowing through you through the sacraments because mm-hmm. the Lord is going to lead you to find answers that are actually better for your soul and your body. So like in my program, the sacramental basic, we do at least one daily mass a week. Mm-hmm. We do one, one hour of adoration a week and then monthly confession. And then every year we just add a daily mass until you're a daily mm-hmm. mask goer. It's a slow go. But it's funny about the Starbucks. I don't know if people have ever thought about this, but there's five or six pumps of sugar when you actually go get your coffee and yes. you can actually just get one. So you yes. can start doing like four, three, like my clients, it's a slow go. It's mm-hmm. ultra-jeopardy sainthood, right? We read the one page summary of these saints' lives, like in the Magnificat. Think mm-hmm. about your life on a one page summary. Yes. It can't even capture the road that they were on. We kind of get a yes. sniff. They didn't get there overnight. Okay. It's this slow trajectory to whole foods, slow trajectory to learning about your cycle. You're not going to learn this overnight. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn how to eat fast feasts and spiritually fast overnight and intermittent fast. That's where we got into problems when we started doing a 16 fasting window, an eight hour eating window. And the way I can't do it. And you quit. No, we're going to start it at 12, 12, 12. And then we're going to go to 13, 11. And then we're going to 14, 10. And then we're going to, and that's over like, month. Mm-hmm. You're going to slowly mm-hmm. work yourself into a different palette, into a, into the church and going to more sacraments for the grace. Mm-hmm. It's all of it. It's slow over time. The Lord works slowly. He really I does. love how you said that because I was just talking to a client. She was sharing with me the little wins, the little graces that she's <laughs> seen through the coaching. And I see this is because the Catholic church has a, I heard it from Dr. Anders from EWTN, he said, the law of gradualism, Mm. isn't that the mystery of anything in life? You think about a child who goes to school and their kindergarten, and they don't even know their letters. They don't know how to hold a pen. And by the end of the year, 
They're saying their letters. They're maybe starting to read. They're starting to write. And by the second or third grade, or even fifth grade, before they go into middle school, now they're writing all kinds of papers and things. It was a gradual four or five year progression. My children are all musicians and artists. And I usually tell people, like, think about the first time you picked up a softball mitt or your piano. You didn't play Beethoven the first time, you know, you did. And it's awkward. You're holding your flute or whatever the instrument is. But you keep going. You keep going. My husband and I, a year ago, started pickleball and we love it. We play weekly. And the scoring on that, for some reason, was so hard for me. I'm a degreed engineer from Purdue University and and I have a teaching degree in math. And I was like, Okay, what is it? And okay, you surf from the right. Da, da, da. And any of the any of you people who play pickleball out there, it's not that hard once you get it. But why it's so hard is you're using many areas of your brain, not only to play the sport, but then to think about the numbers and score. And then all of the rules of the kitchen and whether the sidelines are in or out, all of this, it's so good for older people. And yes. I'm not calling my older person. I mean, I'm in my fifties and I'm never getting old. I've decided, but for us to learn new things, ballroom dancing is another one. I make myself do it in my husband and golf. I make myself do that one because my husband loves it and I'm getting better and it's very humiliating and I have to keep at it. And I actually am doing this kind of like you, because I'm in a fasting state usually, and I need to get out of the house. I need to get away from food and out of the restaurants and out of the bars and out of all the friends' houses that are having parties. And it's like, what do we do? Well, we'll go to places where there's no alcohol or food. And we have the best time. It's my husband and I, or it's other people who are fasting and we're getting together and we're learning new things and we're laughing and we're in community. And it's really beautiful. I joined scripture studies because of it. I mean, I am doing so much more now that I am delaying and praying. I can totally see this also with wanting a child. And I can also see it with delaying getting pregnant with a child, because I think sometimes you have to get your mind off of it as well. Your goals will come faster if you can leave it to God and let him do his work. And then you and your husband, or even you, if you're single, you go and join a team or join ballroom dancing or join card groups. I love cards. And now I can even play cards on a Friday night while other people are drinking and eating. I can do it. Before it was real hard. I was very silent. And then people were like, what's wrong with Beth? Because she always talks because I couldn't. Because I was like, "Eh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And going back to St. Therese, she started these little things when she was little. Her older sister taught her, wait five minutes and then you could drink your water. And she would take those walks and not look at the flowers. But then if you've read her life, it's called The Passion of St. Therese. And it was her suffering of when she got- Tuberculosis? Yes, thank you. Tuberculosis, because it was literally choking her to death. Her lungs were being filled with blood, but she was able to offer everything. And even Blessed Chiara Luce Bandana, She would have been 52 if she had lived, but she was only 18. She got cancer and she lost her legs and she was a tennis player and she just was so full of life. But she was like, Jesus, if this is what you want, I want it too. That was her thing. I want to suffer. I'm going to go wherever you go, Jesus. She did not learn that overnight. So what is interesting about what you're doing and what I'm doing is I love it when a woman comes into my program and she either has a very strict schedule because she has an immune disorder or something and she has to give up like everything. And she's like, how do I do this? Beth, help me. And we coach on it. That the, the gift is in the struggle. And so we mm. totally shift the thoughts. Then there's the woman who comes in and she's severely overweight or even 10 pounds overweight and been trying for years to try to lose it. And we lose it. But what the really beautiful part in that is then all of a sudden they're teaching their children to delay. 
not necessarily anything with fasting, but just delaying dessert from during the week or even on a Friday for Jesus till Saturday night or Sunday. And they're seeing the difference in their children. They used to have candy jars out making cookies all the time. Instead, those are special times. Like tomorrow is a feast day when we're recording this. It's the solemnity of all saints. And that's a feast day. So you'll see in my community on the private Facebook page. And then of course on Instagram, we'll be talking, it's a feast day. We don't have to fast today. So we get to know the whole church calendar and when we can actually feast because that's really what Sundays are for. Yes, fasting is for reparation, but then Sundays are Eucharist. And so we feast on Jesus in the Eucharist. We feast on his resurrection. We feast as to the heaven that is to come. So that's the beautiful part. And they're teaching their children this. And they come to the group and they're crying because it's group coaching. And they're just like, I didn't think that my husband would actually be closer to me or that he would come into the church. Not only that, but come into the church in full love. And we are getting closer. Our relationship is getting better. I can see it happening with what you're doing too. So beautiful. So speaking of programs, I know you're doing something special for Advent. Will you share what's going on in Advent? And then how do we fast in a way without overindulging? Because that is my problem. I can fast, but then when it's time to the feast, it's like, when is enough? Oh, I'm still feasting. I can still eat this. And then it becomes overindulgence and it gets back into the gluttony. So where is that fine line? And so share with us what you're doing for Advent. And does that go into the Christmas season? Okay, so I have a group right now of women that have joined the group coaching experience and that started about five weeks ago and goes all the way right up until Christmas, like the week before Christmas day. And then they have the option of dropping into my membership which is a group membership that you can only be involved in after you take the course. Cause everybody knows the course then. And everybody can talk on the two days that I coach per week about everything that's going right and wrong and get coached and all of that. So in the membership during Advent, we are doing a book club. I always do a book club during the year. And so we'll be doing a book club. We've almost selected it. I think we're doing Sister Miriam's book, Rejoice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll do that in the membership. That won't be public. And then my next launch for people to join the group is in January. I believe the doors open January 8th. And then the course begins on the 15th, but you can always go to the website, thecatholicfastingcoach.com, and you can sign up for the wait list and you'll just get all the information happening. Plus we're putting together a holiday eating guide. So you'll get that when that comes out. And that actually is what you're talking about is how to go through the holidays without gaining a pound and even losing if you'd like. It's, it's really taking Advent for what it is. It's not the same as Lent. Lent is the Sorrowful Mysteries. It's it's a little bit more somber. So Advent is joyful expectation, but it's also waiting. It's also, there's a delay there too. We really should be fasting during those weeks of Advent, but in a different joyful expectation type of way with a lot of joy, with a lot of fun. And how we do that is, like you said, eating to enough and we have to define it. So what is enough? You're going to have to define that on your own. So do you normally have lots of cookies during the week. What is your normal when it comes to Advent? Like, what are you doing? All you do is you take what you're doing and you just kind of decide to cut it in half. Mm, okay. Easily done. And what do you normally feast on? Like on a Sunday, mm-hmm. cut it in half. That will help you to start. Now, when you get into the program in January, we do a bit of a dopamine fast, a little reset where we try to take the sugar, flour and alcohol out of our system for about 20 to 30 days. It's going to help you tremendously. You'll feel 
it, you'll feel so good. And the whole food that you're going to be eating is delicious. My meals are amazing. I love to cook. So my feasting is on really good food. But at the same time, when you're starting, especially during Advent and Christmas, Thanksgiving day, mm-hmm. very easy. So mashed potatoes are fine. Hopefully they're real. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of gravy, sausage, bacon, ham, turkey, a tiny bit of pie, or you can make one that's made by monk fruit or stevia. Right. right. That's that's crustless pumpkin puree. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. So good for you. Mm-hmm. I know it comes out of a can. I, I know it has a few chemicals in it, but not much. Mm-hmm. So these are just some small things that'll be in the holiday eating guide. And you're just going to eat to enough and you can feel it in your body. You know, when you're overeating and the first part, the first holiday is just going to be awareness. Beautiful. It's- Giving yourself permission to just try just try open the door and just try a little bit and do a little bit. And that's really that learning aspect, right? We're growing and we're learning. That's, growing and that's... learning. And then the other thing that I did forget to mention was during this holiday, feast on connection more than on consuming. Mm, I so love like it. If I, if I see you at the cookie exchange, which darn, I would love to see you at a cookie exchange, that I'm more interested in talking to you and loving you and asking you questions and learning more about your life and what you're doing and connecting with you than I am in eating all the cookies. Your fast is giving those cookies to Jesus and redemptive suffering, but then connecting with you. And I'm telling you, when you drive away and you've had a coffee and a couple cookies, and then you've connected with Mm -hmm. three friends, Mm -hmm. you will feel like a million bucks rather than just eating. Like how many cookies did you have? I have no idea. I don't know. That one looked good. And that one looked good. And that one looked Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Instead, what are the best? Mm -hmm. And then what are the three people that I really want to connect to? Right. And that really gives, again, going back to our metanoia training is that free will, right? Yeah. It's not that I can't eat any of this. I'm making a choice. I'm making an intentional decision beforehand, which ones, how many have I decided is enough? And then making that choice of choosing the five that I want to choose. And again, a lot of times people think, oh, choices, especially like discernment and things. I was coaching somebody the other day about either of these choices are morally neutral. Oh, I don't know if God wants me to do this. I'm like, but each of these choices that you are placing in front of you are morally neutral. So God is giving you this free will. It's good to choose one or it's good to choose the other. Each of those cookies are morally neutral. You get to choose. And what do you desire? You may desire the chocolate one. I may desire the Mexican wedding cookie. And then getting in tune to what made me choose that. Why is that important? You know, wrap back a memory or I prefer chocolate rather than strawberries or whatever. And then you get a little bit finer tune on your own body and your own preferences. And that's what makes us unique and unrepeatable, right? We all don't have to like chocolate. We all don't have to like fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. We get to decide and we get to discern, like you said, what is enough. Going back to our rules in gluteal phase, yes, you can feast and you can have relations with your husband anytime, any day during the luteal phase. What is enough? What do we agree on? How do we enjoy this? How do we fast or how do we feast well? That is one of those beautiful questions that I want to invite my audience to really meditate on is how do I feast well? so that I can enjoy something without overindulging. And then you don't enjoy it. I don't want one more, like Halloween, like you get all this candy and you're just like, I gotta eat it, I gotta eat it. And then you feel sick. 
eat slowly if you're going to eat your candy. I won't eat anywhere because I don't want it, but I've been doing this for four years now. But eat the candy and figure out where enough is. And it's okay if you keep eating because you probably will. Overeating is actually a dopamine hit. Mm, so mm-hmm. overeating will make you actually have comfort. And then you have a big drop because you've overate. Mm-hmm. It's taking 20 to 30 minutes to go through your system to tell you that you're really full. And then you're really, really full to the point of like, oh, I don't feel so great. And that's okay. But just try to notice where you could have stopped and then say, oh, I could have stopped there. That's very interesting. Talk about neutral. Just be very neutral and loving to yourself. Don't judge yourself. Just be Mm -hmm. like, wow, wow. Mm -hmm. I was full three little candy snack bars ago. That's interesting. But I wanted to keep going. I wonder why. And then just sit in that on wonder of how God made you and that he made you for a feeling of enough, Mm -hmm. eating enough. We were made to grow and give. And so when you're going to the cookie exchange, when you're making something, you know, give your best. If you're going to a cookie exchange or you're going to a party, make something beautiful. If it's a salad, great. If it's a cookie, great. But make it your best. Treat other people like you would want to be treated. Like last Sunday's scripture, love your neighbor as yourself today's world, we're so busy. We tend to slap things together. We don't mean to, we're not doing it on purpose, but I think the spiritual fasting is very intentional and the billings rules and natural family planning. It's very intentional with love. And I think these two programs bring us back to all the things that we can do with love. We always want to be growing and giving, and we're never too old to stop doing either. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love it. I know we could go on for hours and I haven't even checked the time. So this may be a really long interview. I know it's okay. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I would love to encourage you to go to her podcast, Delay and Pray, get on her wait list, the Catholic Fasting Coach dot com and the wait list. And she is going to teach you all kinds of things about spiritual fasting, about your faith, about your body, about all the good things. And if you are interested in learning more about your body, we talked a lot about billings. You are more than welcome to reach out to me. I will include a link in the show notes for a discovery call and we can see how I can serve you in that way. So thank you so much. God bless all of your endeavors. God bless everything that you're doing. You inspire me. And I know that we're just saints in training, running together with the cloud of witnesses, watching us and cheering us on. So I always like to close with the blessing of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. And I know St. Paul is always cheering me on. He was my saint that I took on this year, and he's just been really interceding for me. So let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Until next week, God bless you. I hope you all enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing this time together in this interview. There's two things for you to do in the show notes. The first is to go ahead and click the link for Beth's program so that you can start delaying and praying, learning how to eat fast and feast with her program in January. And there's also another link that you can join me in my class for Billings Ovulation Method in January. I look forward to serving you and you have a great day.